and seen. He was a bon viand, he was a cad, or was he the greatest gift to Jacobean theatre the world had ever seen? They said he was neither here nor there, but somehow everywhere, and always two steps behind the latest trend. Today's subject on In Our Time is William Friedelmenken, the Russian-German poet-author-actor who died at the age of 42 from syphilis and boredom. Discussing William today are two renowned experts with very differing views on the subject. We have Derek Fithrum, the visiting professor at the University of Leicester, and Arnold Padwell, who is a doctor of historical theatre from Trent. Also, we have Wendy Mankelbin. So Derek, just to give us uh, an overview of his life. Why was he so important? Well, I'm very much on the side of William being a bon vivant and a very important, um, if not the most important character uh, of one, this period. One of the most, one of well, the most important characters. Okay, one of, if not the most important uh, characters of this period. He wrote a number of very important works, Several. which he wrote several very important works. Yes, 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 Arnold, thank you. He wrote several important works which were groundbreaking of their time in the structure of the I thought they the followed a trend more than groundbreaking. But, uh, sorry. I, I, no, I would say William was very much a pioneer of the time. You may be thinking of works that were published after his most groundbreaking um, plays. I'm not. Um, he... Uh, had several plays performed in London. Uh, plays performed. He also had plays performed in Stratford and, and many other important uh, market towns many. Um, up and down the country. More than that. Um, he uh, married uh, three times in his life. Three? His first, yes, three times, Arnold. His first two wives unfortunately died of, of uh, diseases, which wasn't, of course, um, uncommon in the early 17th well, century. I mean, not for someone who had syphilis as long as he did. Well, I mean, his wives may indeed have, have died of complications of, of syphilis. Well, one of them was mad. And yes, there are reports of Charlotte, his second wife, dying uh, of, of, of syphilis-related diseases and indeed being mad. But of course, the label of hysterical was attached to lots of women, which may, of course, not necessarily have actually been mad, Arnold, as I think you know, I know given the historical context. Can I just please finish, Arnold? She was talking to, a, talking to a donkey. Well, sometimes it feels like I'm talking to a donkey, Arnold, when we have these conversations. Can I please finish my point? No need to anyway, be so rude. Anyway, to, to summarise without being interrupted, Sorry. William was indeed a very important playwright. He was a bon vivant. He was a great man. Uh, he contributed a lot to Jacobean theatre before his untimely passing in early 1637. Thank you. Well, that's fundamentally wrong for starters because. What do you mean that's fundamentally because wrong? Because he Don't didn't. Be absurd. He didn't die in 1637. He died he did in. He died in 1637. He died in 1636. He did not die. What have you been looking at, Anna? That's ridiculous. It's well documented that he died in January of 1637. That's not true. It was late December in 1636. And the fact is that the records were not recorded at the local records office. Because his latest wife-to-be, also riddled with syphilis, I would add, didn't record his death until several weeks after he'd passed away. 
God, you're the only broken record in here, Arnold. Never mind any of that. Well, he died in January of 1637. I... Everyone knows that. You may have read some incorrect texts, or you've misinterpreted, or, I don't know, maybe I you don't assure... even read Roman bloody numerals, I can Arnold, assure you ignorant you prick. I've read everything on this matter apart from your pamphlets that you've published pamphlets how day i've written extensive texts on this subject and he died in 1637 well the, the trouble with you derek is you you publish something that is actually incorrect on a subject that nobody gives a shit about to be how honest with dare you you arrogant bastard this is my life's work arrogant bastard that's a fucking pamphlet and it's wrong how dare St- trent university i can tell you s- trent university who the hell goes there it's hardly Oxford, is it? Well, where are you? Visiting uh, where? Exactly. Visiting fucking men's uh, conveniences. That's what I know about you. You, you will That was you- never proved. Those slurs I had removed from Twitter because there was no proof at all. I don't even know what a glory hole is. Google his name and it comes up with these search results have been omitted. Do it now. We have a right to forget. I feel sorry for your fucking poor guide dog, mate. He can't forget. He must see everything, even if you don't. Don't bring sparkles into this. How dare you? You sit there in your wheelchair, acting all high and mighty, which is ironic in itself. I have to sit on this cushion. Well, your pile's playing up again. Yes, to be honest with you. Yes. And your dog is farting like a fucking trooper. The only bad smells there is your bloody aftershave on. Put you wearing brute. Even William didn't wear brute when he died in 1637. (laughs) You smell like shit. You smell like shit. You smell like shit. You smell like shit. Shit. You're sat in your own shit in that wheelchair. Can't do anything about that, but you smell like shit. You smell like shit. You. Thank you both. And that was a robust and vigorous discussion about the life of William Friedelmanken. Wendy, sorry we didn't have time to hear from you. Maybe next time. And that's everything this week for In Our Time. Insane! Right, sorry, can I please have the attention of everyone in the STD clinic waiting room? Um, I regret to inform you we have just had an issue with our computers. They've all just gone offline. Um, So we're unable uh, to call you up by your allotted numbers. Um, And of course, because of anonymity, I can't call you up by your names. So we're just going to have to go alphabetically uh, by the conditions you registered with when you filled out your cards when you came in. So if you could please all sit down and then stand up when uh, I call your particular affliction and then we'll see you through uh, in alphabetical order. I hope that's all okay. So starting at A, um, I have an anal leakage. Do I have any takers on anal leakage? Oh, yep. Sir, you there in the bulging nappy. If you could move across uh, to the seats closest to reception. Thank you very much. I'll just just let you waddle over. Uh, next up, B for a ball ache. It's a bit like blockbusters, this isn't it? I'll have a ball ache, please, Bob. Uh, oh, there's two of you. Okay. Uh, well, I'm not going to try and judge it myself. So if you if you both come over and just uh, take a seat, and then uh, you'll go through after Mr. Anal Leakage. C for cu- oh, I'm not reading that out. That's disgusting. You'll have to wait, madam, whoever you are. Uh, I have another C for... Ooh, is that chafed cock? That does that does sound painful. Do I have any takers on chafed cock? Yep, sir, you there holding your bits. Yep, I take it that's you if you'd like to move it. No, no, come on. No sniggering at the back. You're in the same boat here. Won't have any judgment. And then D. Oh, I mean, this is very crude. Who, who wrote Dirty Dick? Dirty... It was you, wasn't it? 
Come, sir, I can tell you what I mean. Stand up. Come, I can smell your smoke from here. Come, sit down. For goodness sake. <sighs> okay. E. Erectile dysfunction. No, whoa, whoa. Not everyone at once. Come on. It must have a way of, of sub-categorising you. Let's triage this a bit more. Okay. Um, how about... Premature ejaculations. Oh, <laughs> you're quick off the mark there, weren't you? As to be expected. <laughs> no, no, I'm only joking, sir, of course. Uh, if you'd like to, to please make your way to the front here. Um, how about struggle to orgasm? Very much the other way. Anyone struggle to orgasm? Apart from me. Uh, yep, okay. Come on, over you come then. Uh, oh, apart from a struggle, we've got a can't come at all. No, no, ladies, not all at once. I appreciate you may be a bit frustrated, but let's form an orderly line, please. Um, and then we haven't... This Oh, someone says they can't get us up at all, so perhaps someone who hasn't had an erection since the Blair government. <laughs> no, sorry, that, that was distasteful, but, sir, I think we both know uh, who we're talking about there. And lastly, F for filth... No, again, I'm not reading that out. That's absolutely disgusting. You can wait your turn. And C. Well, welcome again to Poetry, please. And I'm so very happy to have Stan Underworth from the uh, uh, more modernist poetry society that you're probably all familiar with. Stan, you're going to talk to us today about the poetry that really moves you and takes you to a place that... Uh, other people probably don't know, but where does it take you and who are they? Yes, thank you. I mean, poetry for me is is everything and it's nothing all at the same time. It has the power to move us, to transport us, but yet keep us where we are and make us more aware of our surroundings. In a stillness. In a, in a stillness, that's exactly right. Um, there's lots of talk these days about mindfulness and being more aware of the moment and your surroundings. And for me... That's what poetry does. It anchors us. It anchors us in ourselves. Of and, course. And I think you'll see from the readings tonight. I'm a I'm a huge fan of the romantic poets of of Wordsworth, of Shelley, of of Coleridge, and I think you'll see not only the romantics in the in the the, the poetical sense of the movement, but also the theme of romance carrying through the two poems we're going to hear this evening. And the first poem is from a modernist uh, poet called mm. Pisquat. Yeah, Pisquat. And, uh, and um, it took him, I think, five to uh, seven years to write. Mm. And it's the, uh, the marvellous poem, Ripples in the Pond. What, what, what attracted you to that poem? Well, well, Ripples in the Pond by Juan Carlos Pisquat is one of my, my favourite works. Um, it, it's fairly short in its nature, so it's easily accessible for anyone listening at home. But it's 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 really deep. It's very moving, and uh, I don't want to make any any spoilers uh, ahead of the reading. No, no, no. But um, it, it's really deep, and I think we've all been that stone. And we're very lucky tonight because um, we've managed to find a reading of this by someone who will be known to you as uh, Harry Palmer from the recent cinema hit from the 1960s, The Ipcrus File. I throw the stone. I own the stone. The river feeds the pond. 
the pond is the river. The stone causes ripples. I watch the ripples. We are all the ripples. The stone is a memory. My mother is dead. Beautiful, and I, th I think um, the uh, symbolism of water there means so much to so many people. Mm. Uh, brings us on to your next poem now, which is is one of, that you've actually written yourself, and you've you've chosen to have read out tonight. Tell us a little bit about this one. Yeah, well, it, it continues the theme of, of romanticism and water from the from the first reading, and this is one that I penned myself. Had the privilege to pen myself. Uh, when I was uh, holidaying in, in Cambridge, I was sat uh, on the banks of the Cam on a beautiful sunny day, mm. and um, you know, inspiration just struck as as it does uh, at its own whim. Obviously, we're not in control of these things, and uh, yeah, uh, I, I penned this this poignant, deep poem. I think uh, I, I think when people hear it, they're going to realise the hidden depths of this. Yeah, I mean that's very kind of you to say. Thank you very much. Yeah, so. I said, inspiration just struck me. There I was on the water. I saw the reflections. I saw the breeze rippling through the through the trees there, and I just wrote this down. So now um, we're going to actually hear that poem read by a, a fan of the poem who's written into the program. It's a Freddie Fingerpuss. And we're going to listen now to The Girl on the Punt. There once was a girl on a punt who went on the water to hunt. The water came to her eyes as she parted the thighs because the water shot straight up her cup. Beautiful words there from uh, Freddie. And thank you very much for being my guest this week on Poetry Now, please. Thank you for having me. And scene.